Welcome back, everybody, to the newest episode of thepenpodcast.com. I'm your host, Matt Harms, founder of Pen for Hire, where we offer premier ghostwriting and author coaching services. Also, the creators of the Pen Podcast, where we sit with authors, writers, writing industry professionals, subject matter experts, and all around interesting people. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by a good friend of mine, Zwitsa Danov. How are you today, Zwitsa? Great. How are you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> it is my pleasure. Thank you for being here. Yeah, for sure. For those I who I was don't excited. know you, mm-hmm. are you? Are you? I'm excited yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. We haven't spoken in a while, so I know, I, we have a lot sure. to catch up on. Yeah. For those who don't know you, where are you joining us from? So I'm in the Chicagoland area. So I can't, yeah. I just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. And by trade, what do you do for a living? So, you know, I wear a couple of different hats, but I'm a licensed therapist and but in terms of I do consulting around systems and mental well-being and kind of work with schools and small businesses on just really streamlining ways to think about our thinking that helps build capacity personally and in teams. Fantastic. And it seems like now more than ever, there's an increased focus on mental health, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, it's definitely, I think that the import, it was always important, right? And I think now so many things happen and are still happening in the world that people can't, right? It is it is in our face. And I always say that, you know, your mental wellness, you know, you put things on your plate, your mental wellness is the plate. It's really the first thing that all of the things flow out of. You know, it's so funny you use that analogy because a lot of people use the analogy like you're spinning so many plates that they start dropping. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, right. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, I'm thinking about my mental well being. Is that plate that's dropping? Yeah, absolutely. And so that's the thing. If you don't have that plate, all the other things start to fall fall off and they fall off quickly. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, for me, especially COVID, that, that whole period of time was one of those where a lot more people started to realize it was okay to not be okay and to talk about not being okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the other piece is like, we forget how that on the level of uncertainty can actually make it worse for us. Because when there's too much uncertainty, there's a level of where we start to develop such a, you know, a fear, right? And our mind actually, I think the research points to, it almost feels like it's a physical attack to us. And so like with things like the pandemic and so much of the unknown, it dysregulates your system. And I think that's where it's like, I can't handle this or why am I feeling this way? And it all comes up, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to steal the thunder from, from your book. We're going to yeah. get there in a second, but as yeah. you're saying that it's reminding me of a lot of the content, you know, that I, I read in there of your yeah. body will physically embody what's going on in your mind. So if you're not doing well, you're going to start to show signs of physical sickness. Absolutely. There's a great book out there too. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's really the truth. The body keeps the score. And so I think a lot of the times uh, we're looking at it from a behavioral sense or physical ailments that impact us. And we try to fix those. And uh, it's it's actually sometimes working against us. Yeah. Um, So with that said, I know you're an avid reader. How long did you want to write a book for? 
Oh gosh. I think honestly, I think about like, as I, so part of my journey was right, is just, um, is research, getting more information. But as you do that research, you start to change yourself and you, you think about the ways that that happened or the journey. And you think you start to say like, gosh, I wish I would have known this. Right. And so the book started to birth when I thought about, uh, all the conversations I've had with people, but I was, I was kind of like, I need I, it's like in me, right? I would play it out in my head. I would play the pieces. I would be somewhere with friends and I would see a situation. I'd be like, oh, that, but you know, if I wrote it that way. And so I think it was probably a good seven years that I was like percolating in my mind, like working on it in my head <laughs> because the, the idea of actually writing a book, I was like, oh, I, I'm not doing that, you know, until I met you. And <laughs> so, yeah. You know, and I think that, seven years, that's kind of right on average or right right there in the middle of the timeframes that I hear a lot. Almost everybody that's ever written a book or thought about writing a book has had it on their brain for at least five years. Yeah. See, isn't that interesting? Because you could really, Matt, you can really talk yourself out of anything, right? So especially something like that, like all the, pe all that mindset stuff just spills over like, right. Oh, who am I? Or, uh, how long will that take? You know, and you just, it starts to feel daunting, but yeah, I mean, I can imagine for everyone else too. So, well, and it's not easy and it's not quick no matter how you do it right so you can get on that roller coaster and talk yourself into it because you only have the line to, to back out and then once you get on it's over in 30 seconds yeah it's so true. Um, you have a lifetime to talk yourself out of it and yeah. once you start it, it it's not going to be finished in 30 seconds absolutely absolutely you know and i i think that's the piece is that it just seems like such a long process and i think when i was even writing and one thing you taught me was that as i was writing i was thinking about people and being like well maybe it sounds better like that you know for the audience and then i start and then it was when we talked about it and you were like you need to write the book right that you would want to read that really speaks to who I was and my journey and and when I started to think about that is when it really started to flow more for me because right when you I think when you think about everybody will you know take it or leave it or get a couple of things out of it but you really want to write the book that at the end of the day was like yeah that was what was in here and I I left everything on the floor like that was that so mm-hmm yeah, no, I'm glad you took that away because that is that is a huge part of being true to yourself, right? Because yeah. you could write what you think everyone wants to read, yeah. but yeah. chances are you don't really know what other people want to read. <laughs> no, uh, no more than you know what they want to have for dinner that night. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And because you're such an avid reader, like I know I do this myself and I've, I've experienced it with other people. Mm -hmm you get something from a person's message, right? You really value a book. You'll recommend it to somebody else, but you and I can read the same book and interpret what they were saying two different ways. And it could be helpful to both of us. It's, it's so true, right? Just in different ways. So what you do when you turn around and, and you share your knowledge with someone is you are repackaging it in the way that was meaningful to you. Yes. 
absolutely. You know, Irvin Yalom, he was a psychologist and he did an experiment where you have two people, right? It was him and his client, right? And after every session, he would write down his impact that he, he thought was like a moment. And then he'd have his client write that. And he found it was never the same, right? But that you can still have this amazing. And that's what real connection is, right? Is that when you take what resonates with you, because all of our journeys are so different. And that's what's actually the power of just like that influential piece of like, it's everywhere. It could be in a song. It could be in an interaction. And that's the beauty of life, right? Humanity. Yeah. You just sum that up by using that Irving Yelling example is there can be one thing like I could read a 150 page book and walk away with literally only one thing that was impactful, but that one thing could make reading the entire book worth it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. So you just never know. That's, that's the truth. Yeah. It's the truth. So what was the actual impetus for you to finally say, I'm ready to write this. And I don't, don't say me because I only helped you when you were already at that point where you knew you yeah. needed to write it. So what got you to that point where it was like, now's the time. Yeah. I, I really had this like moment where I was like, if I don't write this, it, it's gonna stay in me. And what was it for then? What was this huge journey of trying to work on myself, right? Just constantly this piece of making, like facing fears and being courageous, right? When it, you know, go went against like perhaps the conditioning as a kiddo. And I was like, any story that you have, regardless if it's in a book or whatnot, it has to be told at some level. Cause I think that that is a, it's like, there's almost a healing process in that. And so then I said, I have to, no matter if I'm laying on the carpet with like pieces of paper, I have to write this book literally, right. If there's tears and then I write, and that's what really happened. And so, and when I said that to myself is when I met someone who, right knew you and then it was like okay this idea of this coach and collaboration of like getting through some of that mindset and supporting that writing was awesome yeah and you know as you were saying that i wrote down just reminding myself to link it back to body keeps the score because yeah. if you have something that's burning to get out of you so and true. you don't honor that it's yeah. going to take its toll on you it, it's eating away at your mental capacity every day because there's that little voice saying when are you going to do this yeah matt that is such a good point i was always it was always right here i was like doing other work for clients and then it's right here right like and i would look at my schedule and know i would have time like you know a pocket of time and be like well no you know and it, exactly it started to take a toll Mm -hmm. And you had at least done part of the, the hard work that I try to get my clients who aren't ready to write the book yet is at least you were writing as you went without knowing exactly what you were going to do with it, right? So when something was yeah. there, you'd think, you would write parts, you would write whatever was in your mind yeah. without really knowing how it was going to fit into the book. That's right. That's right. And that's the thing. That's really how my brain works, right? I'll see an idea or something will happen and I'll just write it because I'll say to myself, I can connect it later. And that's, that's what it was. That's really that how, how I landed having some type of process for you or some type of writing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think love your opinion on this because sometimes too many people, I am the worst at this. And I guess that's kind of like the, uh, the shoemaker with holes in his shoes because I, I, <laughs> I'm very big on beating myself up over wasted words. Like if I write something and don't use it, 
I'll feel like, well, that was a waste of my time. That was a waste of the words. But in reality, from you know, just what you said, that's not really the case because nothing's ever wasted. You may not use it now or for what you thought you were going to use it for, That's but right. it's out of your head. It's out of your head. And you, you know, it was meant to go on the paper. And to your point, it may not be in a book, but I could be talking to someone, you know, I like, I remember just in March, I went to a conference for a speaking event and I ended up sitting next to this woman and words that I had written. Right. And I can't recall it now, but came up and it was like the perfect thing. You just don't know, but sometimes your body, your mind has to process cert certain things and it comes up later, you know? Mm-hmm. You may never be able to think of the perfect words in the moment, but if you've already written those words before, now yeah. it's almost like they're, it's so funny how taking it out of your brain makes it leave a more impactful mark on your brain. Absolutely. And I think that the other piece is that sometimes it's just, a, it's just about being present and allowing that energy, those words to come out because, right, you don't, you just don't know, right? And, and that, that's the piece of it, I think. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by Pen for Hire. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. While many writers are capable of writing entire novels without ever planning or getting writer's block, most need some kind of structure. Taking the raw thoughts out of your head and organizing them before or during the writing process can drastically improve quality and efficiency. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation on our author coaching services today. And now back to the interview. So we talked a lot about process, about the why behind it. I'm curious now for everyone listening, what would, and, and I know the answer, so I'm going to shut up. What was the book about? Yeah. So really the book, and it's so dear to my heart, so I'm going to love to answer this that I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go fast. So I think what I was seeing, and it, it was right, so in the clients that I coach with, or even the organizations, right, in terms of systems, I was seeing a lot of this idea of just always looking at the behaviors or things that I had mentioned earlier, right? A lot of us suffer from insomnia, anxiety. Some of us really even like anger pieces. Like, I don't know how to stop being angry or I'm just so tired all the time or different ailments or different, even like borderline, not towards addictions, but right. Like can't stop eating or gosh, I'm using cocktails to kind of soothe the other pieces. Right. So I started to think about it and the things that kept coming up, you know, when you have like drug awareness week in a school, for example, you teach the piece of, right, this is this drug, this is the symptoms of this drug, this is why you shouldn't do this drug, but we never say on the other side of that, like, this is how you lead a really healthy life, this is what it looks like to be connected. This is what it looks like to be attuned. And so I started to think about it at the level of the source, right? And so I started to dig and I found this, it was a book called Healing Developmental Trauma, but it talked about the neuroaffective relational model. And it talked about how we are actually born with five core biological needs of connection, attunement, autonomy, trust, and love. And, and if those actually get compromised some way in a family system, right, we actually, as kids, we're so resilient. So what we'll do is we'll actually find a way to adapt 
to fit into life when we haven't gotten those needs met. And unfortunately, living that adaptive way, right, causes difficulties with connection with your regulation and really how you feel about yourself. And so that's where a lot of those symptoms come, because what you're trying to do is spot reduce behaviors, but really we're, we're never saying to ourselves, oh, I'm, I'm actually exhibiting this behavior because I, I haven't ever learned to really connect with myself or to connect with others in an authentic way or attunement. Gosh, I, I didn't realize that I'm constantly people pleasing or scattering across the board to, and I'm not, a, it's, it's not about the people pleasing. It's about the fact that I've never learned to attune to my own physical and emotional needs. And those are the pieces of where it was. So I was, so basically, you know, I, my life has been driven by questions. And so I said to myself, well, how do you actually do things? that work? How, how do you actually go to the source and start to work that out? Because I also think, right, it, those are great big picture ideas, but where does it flow out of that practicality? Because people want like goals and how to, how to do that work. And I think through this book and through my own journey and practicing with clients, I started to find a way like, okay, so maybe the goals aren't going to be about, and, and things like, good sleep hygiene matter and all of that. But maybe the goals aren't like, hey, how do let me be less angry. I won't, maybe it's okay, let me find a way to make a goal of connecting with someone or learning even the process of how to connect, right? And scaffolding that up. So that way it feels like you're you're replenishing your those or even forming like taking away the way that you've adapted and living fully into those biological needs. And that's really how it birthed. And it, it, it was like, that's really how life should feel like, for example, like connection to a tune and you're never always going to get it right. Like we're human. So anyway, I've been talking a little, but I could talk, you know, so that's just the gist of how it all manifested for me. And, and I believe in it. I believe in it. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, please don't apologize for talking. That's the whole point of this. Like, I want you to be that's able it. to speak about the book and yeah. you know what, what it meant to you and what it's yeah. going to mean for others. And I didn't even realize this as you were writing it, you just hit something. I mean, you probably didn't say it like this, but this is how I translated it. And I kept evolving it as you were talking is in life with a drug awareness comment, we, we've got a lot of people who tell us don't do things. Yeah. And then in life, we got a lot of people and, and books are no different. We got a lot of people who tell us to do things, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to do things this way or don't do these yep. things. Yep. And yep. that's not to say there's not validity in, you know, don't do drugs or yeah. do eat healthy. Yep. But mm -hmm. no one wants to be told what to do or not to do. In fact, there's a lot of people out there like myself who will yeah. probably push the envelope of doing what you tell me not to do. <laughs> I'm in um, that line also. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's why we yeah. get along so well. Yeah. But I noticed, I didn't even realize this as we were going through the process, just because it flowed so naturally, your approach was much more of a questioning type of, here's, yeah. here's what is biologically proven. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you would mix it in with relational examples of, have you ever seen something like this? Right. Because it's a lot more impactful for me as a person. I think I told you this as we went through this book, I learned a whole lot about myself. Yeah. Because I wasn't being told yeah. to do something or not do something. I, I was reading just relative examples and I was like, oh my God, I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> 
I know this is so true. It's like, that does feel like me a little bit, you know? So, and that's the truth of it because too, Matt, you know, a lot of uh, like a buzzword is that mindfulness and mindfulness, actually what it is, is that it is to, to notice, right? To, and that, that's what my hope is some of what my book, book does is you can find yourself in some of these stories and then see the research and, and notice I do do that. And, oh, I didn't realize that there's actually a trail of why I do that. Right. And, and I think that's actually how you widen, uh, you know, there's research on the brain, widen the window of even your frustration of your life. Because when you notice that and you have that self-awareness piece, you're like, that is really when you can start to change because it's not, if you can't see it, the odds are you're not going to be able to really like, you'll, you'll be like, okay, here's my new goal chart, but you're not seeing the, the source of where it manifests to be able to be like, okay, this is my why. Even if you spend, honestly, Matt, even if you spend two years being like, okay, I see it. Okay. I see it. And don't do anything with it. Right. Some people can do that for a while, but it's, it's a yes. And, you know, so, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's that first step. I'm going to use a ridiculous example. Um, yeah. It's kind of like you got someone who's morbidly obese and mm -hmm. all they eat is McDonald's three meals a day, but no one's yeah. ever told them yeah. right, in, in this magical. No one's ever told them that McDonald's is bad for you and McDonald's is the reason that you're overweight. Yeah. And then someone does. Yeah. And yeah. It may take them some time because they don't know any better, right? They're like, what, what is a salad? But Absolutely. after a year or two, to your point, it may get to that point of, I don't want to be like this anymore. And now I know why I'm like this. Yeah. So maybe I eat McDonald's twice a day instead of three times a day. That's to scaffold it up. And we always have to remember, because sometimes we'll look at things and be like, oh, I can't believe someone is using that thing or they're this way. But we have, that is what has kept us protected. That is what has saved us when we haven't received those biological needs. We adapted in a way for what feels like survival. So if you don't approach it at this way of tender and compassion of why I right these things got poked, holes got poked in here for me. And so, right, that that's why this is happening. And to say to yourself, I, I don't need to use this anymore because I, I can, I'm somebody who can connect, right? It might take me a little while to learn how to do that or attune to my needs. And I don't need it to come out of a place of things that harm me to cope, right? And that's that. Yes. And you just said something that I, I want you to, I don't even know how relevant it is to the book, but I think in general mental health, this is very relevant. Yeah. I'd love for you to dive in a little more on survival, mm -hmm. right? Because I think we all, Ten, you hear the word survival and you only think, well, what are the things that can kill me? But everyone's definition of survival when it comes to their mental health is really very different. Yes, it's true. So I look at it like this. So when things in your family of origin, family system you grew up with, right? If there are things that have compromised it, and it could be a variety of different things, right? You may have had caretakers that had personality disorders. There could be addiction. There could have been some type of trauma, you know, uh, ailments, illness in the family. There's a variety of different things that can happen. And so a lot of the times, if the adults in your life weren't available to help support these core needs, we get compromised, right? But the difference is us as kids, we are not developmentally available to say it's them. 
it's this. We internalize it and say, it must be us. It, it can't be them. I'm the one who's defective, right? And so I can't begin to tell you how much the research points to how resilient kids are because they'll literally say to themselves, right? It's, it's, there's D.W. Winnicott. He says, you know, the family environment only has to be good enough for kids to develop this. But when it's not, they will, they really have the sense of if I don't do these things, I will cease to exist almost. And so, so developing these things is like, I think Brene Brown would probably call is the armor, right? I I'm going to, so let's take attunement, for example. So if you're denied your needs and even your family system says you having needs makes you selfish, right? So the only way that I could receive love or any type of tenderness, tenderness is to deny my needs and meet everybody else's needs right? And in the long run, that's the way that you protect yourself. But in reality, it hurts you after a while because, right, that's where you might feel sick all the time. You might get headaches. You might never really enjoy life because it's always about somebody else. But it's a way to protect you from ever feeling the shame that you did in that system without getting your needs met. And that's what it is. And it is real for people. People will have a physical and emotional response that will trigger, you know, I always say in my family system, uh, being idle wasn't honored, right? So anytime anybody even said something like, uh, if I said, oh, I slept in, you know, and someone's like, oh, that must've been nice. I would literally, right? My shame would come up and I would be like, oh, I shouldn't have slept in. I need to have gotten up at five and work, 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 work. So it's those things because I protected myself by, from that. And so I hope that, right, that sums it up in terms of, of, and these things are real. And the longer you've done it in life, the harder it is because our brain creates neural pathways, highways that go a certain way. So in order to do different, you know, it takes a little bit of time. It can't be one big swoop. So, mm -hmm. So far, I mean, I, as I've mentioned several times, found the information invaluable. One of the best things about what I do for a living is that I get all of this amazing knowledge yeah. directly from the source of the person. And I can ask as many questions as I want, yeah. whereas the person reading the book maybe can't, um, which hopefully is answering the questions the reader may have had um, because we're taking care of it behind the scenes. For sure. What kind of feedback are you getting from people about the book and how is it helping your business? So it's so interesting. The feedback that I keep, people are sending, they're so funny. People are sending me pictures of like where they've read it. It's really fun. But the feedback I'm getting is like, sweets, this is really getting me to think. And, and it's, Matt, it's like the biggest compliment in the world, right? To be able to think about your thinking is like, this is getting my wheels turning. And so that has been just a, a big blessing. And I think in terms of my business, it's really, I think, uh, it connects to what I do. So I think if anything, when I uh, have a speaking engagement or even a client, a lot of the times when we're doing the work of the source and connecting, people will be like, most of the time, even before I wrote the book, Matt, you know this, people were like, well, is there something I could, like, is there more? Is there like something I could read? And I remember I was always like, not yet. <laughs> 
I'm getting there. Please don't be mad. You know? So now I actually have that. And I think that's the blessing, you know, wherever I go, bring a copy. People are like the link. It comes up in conversation all the time. I was in the nail salon the other day and someone's like, so what do you do? They're like, oh, it's so cool. And then I just kind of explain a little of something. They're like, oh, and then the books, I don't, I don't even know how it comes up. So it's everywhere. And I'm just so happy that it's getting people to think. So before we have you tell everyone the name of the book and where to find it, I just want to ask one last question. I hope you don't mind me putting you on the spot with this because yeah. it, it just came up with a client today who's about to <laughs> publish their book. But as you were talking so enthusiastically about people sending you pictures of where they're at and how the great feels, yeah. at some point during this journey, you, you did suffer from a little bit of imposter syndrome, correct? Yes, big time. I did. And I... You know, and I think that that was really because at some point we were like towards the end and I was like, it's okay if it's if we can't, you know, like if we take another month or whatever. Right. Because I was like, I'm not ready, you know, and I think the way that I help support myself is that it this is not for it. This is just something that was in me that needed to come out and I had to relinquish control of whatever happens with it. So in terms of my expectations, so I was like, I can only be me. I can only offer myself to the world and how I'm wired and like, you know, like gifts in me and that's it. Everything else is not my responsibility. And so that's how I just got over the hump. Yeah. And now have any of your worst nightmares about what could possibly happen when this book come out and, you know, on the negative side, has, have any of them come true? It's so funny because when you talk about that, no, none of them have. So that's, yeah, I was right. reading. No, no one's called you a fake. No one's called you a fraud. No one said that I found no value in this. I was like sleeping with one eye open. No one has done that. I remember, remember, I was like, what if, you know, and, and it's not, I just, all these fear bubbles. And when you actually do it, you forget how abundant the world is. So. And I'm willing to bet next time you, you feel like you have something worth telling, you're not going to have that hesitation to sit down and try to make the world a better place. You know, because I realized after I wrote the book and I said, it's not about me. And if I can have that posture going forward, when I get an idea or even words that resonate, it's not about me. You know, it's, it works something through me, but then I can let it go because it's not mine to own. And so I think that's what I, so yes, I'm just, now I'm going to write now, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. And now I'm going to quote somebody. I mean, I hope I'm quoting it right, but I believe it's Ed Milet who said, you can have anything you want in life if you help other people get what they want in life. Oh, I love that. It's so true. It's so true, right? There's enough to go around for everyone. And I think like, if anything, the book has taught me is just to have an open posture, hands open, you know, and it's, it's just very true. It's like, we are meant to support each other, to help each other with whatever we have. It doesn't have to be like somebody else, right? And to that imposter piece, it we're all different, right? It's not that. It's not about being an imposter. We have stuff that only we can offer. So mm -hmm. nothing in life is a zero sum game, right? Because just because you help somebody get something doesn't mean you lost something. Yeah. Oh, Matt, that's so good. Yes. It's it's that's the truth. 
that's the truth. You, you didn't, in fact, you gained, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, I am a true believer that I, I believe this, and you know this about me, we need each other. We need each other. And however we connect with that is, is that's the ultimate goal with, I think, what anybody does with anything is that anything we do is supposed to connect us more as humans and increase more empathy, right? So that we can be these loving creatures towards each other. And I just want to be more of that no matter what I do. So I love that. I love that. Please tell them the name of the book, where they can find it. The inside job and innermost perspective of understanding your behavior. So, and I know this is not part, but I can't thank you enough for just who you are and just you really just supporting me through the whole process. Like you are just, you're a unicorn kind of, and a gem. And <laughs> I can't, th- from the bottom of my heart, I thank you. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Zavita, thank you so much. I did not pay her for that. I did not expect that. And I actually, I was going to say something that now is going to sound rehearsed, but I'm not saying this because I was involved in this. And this is one of the few projects where I did none of the writing for everyone's disclaimer. Zuitza wrote this entire book herself. I just guided her, but it, it maybe that's part of the reason since I wasn't so involved in like putting the words together, but it definitely did make a profound impact on me. I learned things about myself as we were going through this process. So I thank you as well for finally deciding to write this book, because I know if just in the time we work together, I got this much out of it. There are people out there who, who need to read it. And if you're one of those people who anything we said today possibly resonates in any way, go pick up the book. It'll be the best money you spent this week. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for saying that. I received that. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. It is my pleasure, Zuita. I um, appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. And we will definitely have you back on the show when you get your second book done. Oh, perfect. That sounds, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> so. All right. Thank you again for joining us. Bye.